Well, again, we continue this morning with our studies in 1 Peter. And this morning, we are picking up at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. So let's read together. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the faith of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight, persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Well, last week we were thinking about respecting authority. Authority that is in place within society. And we were challenged, as God's word said, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, 
when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. Comes as a challenge to follow the example of Christ. And this morning we continue with that same thought. As we said from the beginning of our studies in 1 Peter, following Christ's pattern underlines much of the letter. Well, let's go straight to the text this morning. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, a humble mind. Here Peter is speaking to the Christian community and what their character should be with each other. They should have unity of mind, that is they are united in the truths of the gospel. This is what has brought them together, this is what is keeping them together. And it should only ever be a gospel issue that would cause division between God's people. They have sympathy for each other. That is, they share in each other's feelings. When one is upset, we want to understand and share in that. We put ourselves in, in another's shoes. So we can identify with and care for them. We'll see another's point of view. We will not be dogmatic about our point of view. But we'll listen. We will think about and respect the views of others within our Christian community. And then brotherly love. It's that language of family again. Remember in chapter 1. And Peter referred to us as children with God as our father. There is a deep family love among the people of God. And because of lockdown, of course, we have been spending time apart. But we should never be comfortable with being apart. We love each other. We, we long to be together as a family. Our priority is to be together again. To encourage, to build up, to strengthen each other in the faith. And we're to have a tender heart or compassion. That is, we show kindness to each other. We're not harsh with each other. And have a humble mind. That is, to respect each other. Think of others before yourself. In the first century, to be humbled was a hated quality. No one wanted to be humble. It was the lowest social status and was seen as a sign of real weakness. In an honour-shame society, to be humble was seen as the inability to defend your honour and so would bring shame on you. But Peter says humility should be a characteristic of the Christian. 
one we should strive for, one we should want. The one who is, that is the one who is more concerned with honouring and respecting others than they are about defending their own honour. And so how God's people live together in Christian community would have been seen as distinctly different in the, in the society they were living in. And likewise for us, we live in an individualistic society today. Where society looks out for number one. And yet God calls us to live in community. Mindful of others. Looking to the needs of others. And we've got to ask. If we cannot live this way with each other. With family who we love. Well there's little chance we're going to display these characteristics to the hostile society in which we live. And perhaps that's part of the point that Peter is trying to make. Well he goes on in verse 9, again drawing us to our conduct in society. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, as we said last week, we're not called to passivity in society, but we are called to actively bless. In Greek thought, to bless was to speak well of. In Jewish and Christian thought, to bless is to show God's favour. Peter calls these believers not just to bite their tongue, but to speak well of others within their society. To long for them to know God's favour. That is his grace. To long that those around us would come to know Jesus Christ and actually be brought into the family of God. Do you know if you think of people who perhaps have been cruel or nasty or treated us badly or unjustly at times. I think it's easy to have the mindset that, well, I don't actually want that person to change because while they still remain cruel or nasty, well, it allows me to justify my feelings of anger or words of retaliation towards them. But Peter says, if you really want to bless these people, if you really want these people to change, you will bless them with your words. And he refers to Psalm 34 to emphasise his point. Look at verse 10. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We turn to Psalm 34. And if you open it up in your Bibles now. You will see it's one of the few Psalms that give us a historical context. If you turn to Psalm 34. It will probably say as it does in my Bible. Of David. When he changed his behaviour before Abimelech. So that he drove him out and he went away. 
Now the context here, David had defeated Goliath and he was praised by many and Saul became very jealous and so set out to kill David. Now David escaped death a couple of times and he eventually ended up in Gath. Now that is the place where he had defeated Goliath and he ended up back here with the sword of Goliath in his hand. So there was going to be no mistaking who David was. And David was living day and daily knowing his life could end at any moment. To say David was living in a hostile situation was an understatement. It's interesting, if you look through the psalm, you actually see a very similar pattern, structure to the letter of 1 Peter. David begins by praising the Lord. He looks to God to deliver him from fear. He has confidence that when he's trusting in the Lord, he will never be shamed. Then he says, verse 5, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Seek the Lord. Then he says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And you see what David's saying? In the midst of the hostile situation he is facing, he says that a full life, a life well lived, is not one where he is removed from the hostility, but one where he displays good and godly character in the situation he is in. And this is exactly Peter's point to believers in Asia Minor. And if you think again just of the pattern of First Peter, how it's structured. And remember what we said of the psalm. Well, Peter begins by praising the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He begins with praise. Then Peter urges the believers to redirect their fear of people and circumstances to fear of God. And when we're properly fearing God, we are not fearing people. So it moves from praise, the theme of praise, to fear. And then Peter quotes from Psalm 34, If you have tasted that the Lord is good, we are to continue to seek the Lord. And for those who are trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, they will never be put to shame. And then Peter begins this whole section on holy living, which we've been looking at the past few weeks. And he says, if you want to know a full life in the midst of this hostile situation, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Not just turn away from evil, but do good, seek peace, pursue it. Live a holy, godly life in the society God has placed you. See, the temptation for these believers in Asia Minor was to, to slander back, 
perhaps to exaggerate even how they'd been wronged or to forcefully push their rights. Peter says no. Don't repay evil for evil nor reviling for reviling but on the contrary bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. But what is this blessing? Look at verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. See, to respond in this way is evidence that you belong to God. His eye is on you. His ear is open to your prayers. He is protecting you and keeping you. And he's guarding your inheritance which you will receive. As God was with and for David, so God is with and for you. Now who is there to harm you? Verse 13, if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. In Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Don't fear those who are hostile towards you. Don't even fear those uh, who, perhaps in time, when things become worse, may persecute you, even kill you because you're a Christian, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nothing can take that away from you. Peter doesn't say these things flippantly. He has practiced what he is preaching. Remember in Acts 5, we see the apostles, they were arrest, arrested and put in prison. An angel came and freed them and told them to stand in the temple and to teach about Jesus. And the apostles then were brought before the council. And we read in Acts chapter 5 verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey men rather than God. And Peter went on to present the gospel again. And then we read verse 40. They beat the apostles and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. So the apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonour for the name of Christ. And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Back to 1 Peter. Peter says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts acknowledge Christ the Lord, or sorry, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Honour Christ the Lord as holy. Because you're living to please God. To be holy, that your good deeds may be seen in the society where you live. 
And as you're living in this way, always be prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. We could say here this is the goal of our this good conduct that we've been thinking about in society. Notice one thing, we are to give a defence to anyone who asks. This is quite different to often how we sometimes think of evangelism. Our conduct is so distinctly good and different that someone asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, they'll say something like, what is it about you? Tell me about your faith. It's very obvious your faith is real in your life. Something so genuine. Wouldn't it be great for someone to say to us, tell me about the hope that is in you. And again I will make the point. I think for this to happen we need to know non-believers well. They need to see our conduct. They need to see us living distinctly different and they cannot see that in one-off meetings and Peter says when you're asked then make a defense so in other words explain to them what you believe and why you believe that and we've got to prepare to do that okay we shouldn't depend on flippant off-the-cuff responses. We need to think out clearly how we explain our faith to someone who is not a Christian. What is the gospel? Okay, can you explain the gospel in just a few words? Well, we know the gospel is Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he has done for us. Can you explain that to someone with words that they are able to understand? And then why? Why do you believe in Jesus? Again, are you able to explain this to someone in a way that they are able to understand? This will take thought. This will take preparation. And we do this with gentleness and respect. And we thought this about this a lot last week. Okay, we honour everyone, that is we respect, we have genuine care for everyone. As we explain the gospel, we're, we're not trying to prove a point. We're, we're not trying to impress people with, with our power to persuade. We're, we're not trying to be seen as better. We're not harsh about it, we're not playing tit for tat. No, that's the way society may respond. Now at times it may be helpful to persuade or even debate, to bounce things back and forward. But this is always done with gentleness and respect. Now our message may cause offence but our tone and manner should not cause offence. You know you can tell a lot from someone's manner. I don't know if you've ever watched an atheist Richard Dawkins debate with Christian John Lennox. And one thing that really struck me as I, I was watching um, a debate they had in, in the Oxford Museum, 
and, and, and you could watch the debate on mute. And what you would see is that John Lennox is calm, he's peaceful, he's composed, he's even happy. Whereas Dawkins appears agitated, uptight, frustrated, angry. Make a defence with gentleness and respect. And with a good conscience. That is, our life matches what we say, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. And I said earlier that shame was to do with status. We saw in chapter 2, shame also refers to spiritual status. Those who are trusting in Christ will never be shamed. And in the first century, shame was was also used for defeat in battle. So if you were defeated, you were shamed. And Peter's saying here that the Christian's conduct defeats or shames the slander from the non-believer. They cannot fault the gospel because your conduct matches what you say. It proves that your hope in Christ is real and genuine, even if they do not accept Christ, they don't have any comeback, as it were. They're defeated. And Peter reiterates again, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For, verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subject to him. Now I've read quite a few lengthy verses there. And it's a lot to take in. These particular verses of scripture have several difficulties for us in trying to understand them. Martin Luther said of these verses, he said, This is a strange text and certainly a more obscure passage than any other passage in the New Testament. I still do not know for sure what the apostle meant. So needless to say, this morning I don't have a conclusive answer on, on some of these verses. Particularly verse 19, where did Jesus go to proclaim? When exactly did he do this? What did he proclaim? Who were the spirits? Where was the prison? With each of these questions, commentators will put forth several suggestions. But we know that Peter's original readers 
would have understood and this would have been meant for their encouragement and so it is meant for our encouragement today. Now while we may not have conclusive answers to all our questions regarding these verses, one thing is clear and that is the victory of Jesus Christ. And what is presented here, you'll notice the four from verse 18. What is presented is the reason why we should suffer for doing good. For Jesus Christ suffered for our sins that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. For he was raised to life by the Spirit of God, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. That is verse 19. Now for a moment, I want to take verses 20 and 21 out. If we take those as a description of the spirits in prison, to all, almost like they're in brackets. Uh, and just for a moment, if you read from verses 19 22. He would read like this, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, who, as Jesus, has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels, authorities and powers having been subject to him. So in other words, Christ's resurrection and ascension was his means of proclaiming to the spirits in prison. And Peter describes, so look then at those verses where he describes, he describes these spirits as those who formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. When the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Now, I'm sure you know the story of Noah. People laughed at Noah and what he was doing and building this ark. They rejected him, and so they rejected God. Now, likewise, with all those before Noah's time who rejected God, and all those ever since who have rejected God, they are waiting final judgment by God. If you remember when we were in Ephesians, we thought about the spiritual realm. And behind those who reject God, there are spiritual forces at work. And so we could say those who have rejected God, along with the spiritual world, the spirits in prison, they are waiting final judgment. And when Jesus was raised by the Spirit and ascended to heaven over all authorities and powers, this was the proclamation to all powers, to all spirits, that they were in fact subject to him. Noah and his family were brought safely through water. And Peter says baptism, um, which now corresponds to this, now saves you. 
not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now hopefully it will be obvious to you that baptism does not save us. R.C. Sproul said, if this were the case, I would stand on a corner with a fire hose and baptise as many people as I could. The waters that brought judgment on the people in Noah's day were the same waters that saved Noah and his family in the ark. Notice the word through. Okay. Noah and his family were saved through water. We are saved not through baptism, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is the sign and evidence of this salvation. Jesus is victorious over all. And this would have brought great encouragement to these believers. They will follow the pattern of Christ from suffering to resurrection to glory. And all those who are against them now, well, they're subject to Christ. Now, there are actually many, there are many similarities between Noah and the believers in Asia Minor. These believers would have known the story of Noah and so they would have been able to identify with this. Think of Noah. Noah was a minority living in a hostile environment. Noah witnessed boldly and was ridiculed and slandered for that. Noah knew judgment was coming and so lived Accordingly, in spite of opposition, he continued to be faithful to God, knowing he would be finally saved. Why should we be willing to suffer and accept injustice? Because Jesus is victorious. Jesus died in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous but was raised by the spirit and his resurrection justified or, or vindicated him from the wrong verdict that was pronounced on him by the world and by faith in him we too are justified or, or vindicated by his resurrection even though we were we are sinful we deserve God's judgment Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness. What an encouragement this would have been to the believers Peter was writing to. And what an encouragement this is to us today. That these believers suffered at the hands of society around them. Being ridiculed and condemned. They don't need to be too concerned about that. They don't need to be too concerned with their position here and now. They are justified. They are viewed as righteous 
and innocent before God, their maker and their judge, because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so for us today, we continue to do good. We're not too concerned with our position here and now. We're not too concerned with proving our rights. We are justified before God, our creator and judge, because of Jesus Christ. We place our hope not in temporary society, but in Jesus Christ. Our living hope. Our hope is in the world to come. An inheritance that is imperishable. That is undefiled. And that is unfeeling. We've done nothing for this. Jesus has done it all. And we give glory to him. Let us pray. Our Father in God, we say glory to Jesus. Glory to him for his work on our behalf. We thank you again for such a great salvation. We thank you for Christ's death on our behalf. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that we are justified by that same resurrection. Father, what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We thank you that we don't need to fear any charge brought against us because we are yours. And God, it is you who justifies. We thank you we, we do not need to fear any condemnation. We thank you that nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. We thank you in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our Father and our God, may we delight in these gospel truths. May our hope be in Christ and in what is ahead of us. May that hope be evident in our lives. And may we be prepared to give a defence for the hope that is within us when we are asked. As we do this, may we see many lives turn to Jesus Christ. That they too may glorify God on the day of visitation when Christ returns. Our Father and our God, we give glory to you. Glory to the Father. Glory to to the Son. Glory to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. We are going to close again with that song, Christ, our hope in life and death. The Lord bless you.